Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer on this Tuesday morning, November 16th. My name's Tom Short, so glad to have you along as we get in the Word of God here each day and pray and pray for one another. Pray for the Scripture and pray for one another. We've been discussing Catholic doctrine and how that lines up or compares with the Bible. And today I'd like to answer the question or a big question that comes up a lot for me on campus because of Catholic teaching and that is, are all sins equal? Now, you ask a Catholic, they'd say no, because in Catholic doctrine, there are two types of sin, two categories of sin. One is called mortal, that means unto death, and the other is venial. Venial is uh, smaller, uh, a less, lesser of, less serious sin. Mortal sins are ones that if you die with a mortal sin, you go to hell. And if you die with the mortal sin, you're in trouble. If you have mortal sin, it separates you from God, we're told. And mortal sins and venial sins, on the other hand, not quite so much. So you'd only go to purgatory where you suffer in the flames of purgatory for a while while you're purged of your sin and, and uh, prepared to go to heaven. What is a mortal sin? It's got to meet three requirements. Number one, it's got to be grave. It's got to be a big sin, a grave sin. Number two, it's got to be intentional. You can't do it. Um, uh, you've got to know you're doing it. And number three, you've got to know it's wrong. So if you do something unintentional, unaware, or if you don't realize something is wrong, or it's not that grave, then that is a venial sin. A venial sin, if all three categories are not met, and then it's called venial rather than mortal. Now, this isn't biblical and biblical doctrine says that all sin separates us from God whether you are aware of it whether you whether it was intentional or accidental whether it was grave or what we would consider small you know we have scripture for instance Jesus said he was talking to the Pharisees who were legalists and they tried to split these hairs and in the Sermon on the Mount he said you you uh you, you boast that you've not committed adultery. But I say, if you look upon a woman to lust for her, you've committed adultery in your heart. You boast that you've, you, you know, you say you've never murdered someone. But if you're angry with your brother, uh, you've murdered him in your heart. If you say to your brother, you empty head, good for nothing, fool. You're, you're guilty enough to go to the fires of hell, Jesus said. And so he, uh, he talked about this legalistic hair splitting that the Pharisees, well, we didn't do the act. But Jesus says, if the heart is evil, if the heart is there, if the heart is wrong, then that too makes you guilty before God. And so as evangelicals, as Bible-believing Christians, we're aware of these verses and we're concerned that, no, all sin separates us from God. And there is, this, there is no, this, not this middle area called purgatory in which we, we suffer for our small sins and while we're purified, we don't believe that. And another verse along this line is James chapter 2, verse 10, where James says, if you've broken one bit of the law, you've broken it all. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean if you committed adultery that you're guilty of murder. It doesn't mean if you stole something that you're guilty of blasphemy. What it does mean is that the law is like one entity. You don't have to break all ten of the commandments, for instance, 
to be guilty of breaking the law. You break one bit of the law, you've broken the law. I've seen compared to like a chain link. You know, say you're hanging over an, an abyss by a chain, uh, 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 chain, link of chains. How many links have to break before you go falling? Not all 10, not all every link, but just one. And the chain's broken and down you go. And so we, we say by this that, no, there is not this distinction between the big sins that separate you from God and the little sins that don't. On the other hand, I've known of many Bible-believing Christians that they get sloppy in their theology, and they imply that there's no difference at all between sin, that all sins are equal. I've even had people argue with me on campus, and the Bible clearly says that all sins are created equal. And I point out, you might be mixing up your documents there, the Bible and the Declaration of Independence. And so, no, all sins are not equal. Some sins are worse than others. Again, some of this, because of our reaction to Catholic teaching, we don't want to go pendulum swing and say, as I've heard even other people say, I've heard people argue this, I'm serious, that in God's eyes, to break the speed limit is just as bad as what Hitler did. No, it's not. No, it's not. Should you? It's not. And, and while the Catholics make the point of mortal and venial sins, big sins and little sins, grave sins and not so much, they're not entirely wrong in what they're trying to say. I think this idea is wrong, but it's not entirely wrong. And we don't want to pendulum swing to the other way. There are sins that are greater than others. I mean, there's many scriptures on this. In John 19, Jesus said to Pilate, Pilate said, don't you know I can have you crucified or not? Jesus said, you have no authority over me, lest it be granted you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me over to you has committed the greater sin. Jesus talked about in Mark 3 that there is an unforgivable sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, every other sin that a man, flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. There's something different here. And then the verse that Catholics use to get their mortal and venial concept is found in, in uh, Matthew, or excuse me, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 16. Again, I don't know that they get it from this or they use this to justify it, but let's read it. 1 John 5, 16, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make requests for this. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. And so, what do we understand this to mean? Well, it could mean that they're talking about literal physical death. In Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira physically died because of their sin against God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're warned that people who take the, the breaking of bread or the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner that some of them have fallen asleep or some of them have died, literally physically died, because they are, they're going to the communion in a, and not judging the body rightly, probably extreme div division against one another and, and divisiveness and factions within that church, and they got the judgment of God on a physical death here on earth. It could mean, and I tend to think, that it means apostasy, that there is a place where people, and Hebrews talks about this, 
were people who claimed the name of Christ and then repudiated the name of Christ. We're not talking about someone who slipped into a sin, someone who stumbled, someone who, who fell into sin, or someone who committed an intentional sin. We're talking about here in, in Hebrews and, and so on, the sin of apostasy is someone who once named the name of Christ and now forcefully, clearly repudiates him. I once had a friend, very close friend, and he was very close to leadership in our church many years ago. And he went through some tough times and he, he some trials and he fell away. And he didn't just fall into discouragement or despair uh, or, or coldness towards God. He called me up one day and he said, Tom, I need to be honest with you. I want, I am, and he, he just said the word, I repudiate Jesus. I do not believe in him. I do not believe he's the son of God. I don't believe God exists. I don't believe any of that anymore. And, and he, he made it, it was a clear decision of rejection of the truths of the Christian faith. And I'm, perhaps that's what John's talking about here. I tend to think so, that a person who does that, again, there's a big difference between doubts, discouragement, coldness towards God, and a clear, calculated decision, I repudiate every doctrine of the Christian faith. And that, I, that's what I think John was probably talking about here, that when a person's done that, they're lost, they're gone, and, and uh, hope for them really is over. Now, dare I say, it's hard for me to ever get to the place with that. There's all the, all the people I've met through the years, there's maybe one or two or three that I've ever felt that th that's the case with them. Don't be quick to put someone in that box, but I think that's probably what what's he's referring to here in 1 John. The bigger problem is this with Catholicism, that while they may be accurate in saying some sins are more grave than others, some sins are more serious than others, where they miss it is to imply that some sins being less serious have a different solution. And what we'd like to point out is that all sin separates us from God. All sin is wrong. Grave sin, not so grave. Sin that you knew you were doing intentionally against God and sin you may have even done unintentionally and were unaware of. Sin that you had the full knowledge of and sin you didn't. Full knowledge that it was wrong and maybe sin you didn't. And the answer to all sin is the same. And that is 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's what it says. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. There's not some smaller sins for which you go to purgatory to be cleansed. There's not some larger sins that you need the blood of Christ for that. Or you need, in their, in their term, you need to go to the Mass, the Eucharist. You need to go to confession or what they call reconciliation, confess your sins uh, before a priest and so on. No, the answer is the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And how is the blood of Jesus received? How does the blood of Jesus atone for us? Through simple faith in Jesus Christ. Over and again, over and again, he who believes in him, who believes in Jesus has eternal life. You don't have to try and find some verse, some obscure verse, some difficult to understand verse, that, that uh, to explain this, over and again, we're saved by faith 
in Jesus. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, there's an important principle here of Bible interpretation, and that's this. You want to give great weight to what the Bible gives great weight to, and less weight to what the Bible gives less weight to. Now, we obey all the Bible. But if you have in your in Scripture, say you have a hundred verses that teach something clearly, that's where you want to give great weight. Versus, say you have one verse that maybe is a little bit more obscure, and you're not even entirely sure what it means. You don't build your whole doctrine on that. You don't build a big case on that obscure verse. You build the the weight of your theology on what's taught over and over and over again in Scripture. This is how cults get formed. Cults like to find one obscure idea, one verse, one difference, where they differ from the main body of Christianity, and then they exalt that verse to say this is of utmost importance. Why? Because we're the ones who are doing this. And, and they're, they separate themselves from others and say we have the real truth. Look at this verse. And every cult out there, every cult out there, they find one or two or three ideas that separate them from everybody else, and that they're and they and therefore they exalt and talk about words others don't. Be careful of that. First John chapter five does tell us. Yeah, there there are some different many verses, number of verses that I've shared with you today. There there are some sins that are worse than others. Yes, and there are some sins that are grave, but all of them separate us from God. All of them need to be atoned for. And all of them can be atoned for only through the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin, as we read in 1 John 1, verse 7. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have sent Jesus as the, the one, the Lamb of God, the one who will atone for all sin. We thank you, Jesus, your blood cleanses us, not just from the big ones, not just from the ones that we were aware of, not just from the ones we did intentionally, but your blood cleanses us even from the ones we didn't realize we were doing, even from the ones where we didn't understand, even from the ones that we, we were ignorant of. We still need to be cleansed of those, and it's your blood that cleanses us, and for this we're grateful. Father, we, we do pray that we would hate sin we pray that we would not be people who minimize sin. We pray, Father, that we would not uh, pendulum swing away from false teaching to imply that, that uh, some sins that we do really are far more grievous and far more destructive, far more dangerous. I pray, Father, that we who believe and hold to the Bible would understand that though all sin is wrong, yet some sin is far more damaging, and we would be careful. We'd be extra careful in those cases, but also, Lord, that we'd walk in the fear of you. We want to be pure in the whole, in the innermost being. We want every aspect of us. We pray like the psalmist, deliver us from presumptuous sins, ones we don't even know about. Deliver us from them, as, uh, as the psalmist prayed in Psalm 19. We pray for that. And Father, we come to you today grateful, grateful that we don't have to earn our salvation, Grateful we don't have to go to purgatory to have some of it burnt off and purged from us. Grateful that there's not a system of works, religious deeds, religious activities that cleanses us from our sin. It is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. And we receive that through simple faith. 
And we do believe and we do trust. And Jesus, our hope is in you. We don't believe our salvation is because we were good enough. Jesus, our salvation is because you accomplished your mission on the cross. You cried out, it is finished. You had paid for the sins of the world. And for this, we are grateful and we praise you. We love you, give you our thanks, give you a grateful heart. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful, my friends? We want to walk in holiness. We want to walk in uprightness. We want to walk in the forgiveness and the cleansing and the sanctification, shall we say, the holiness that's ours in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being with me today. I'm so glad to have you along. We're here every day, and so I hope you come back tomorrow and join us. Share with your friends. Invite your friends to be with us uh, each day as we get into the Word of God, we strengthen our faith, we pray over the Word of God, and bit by bit we become stronger and stronger every day. It's the Word of God that feeds our soul, and we need our soul fed. We need to be strong in the Lord, lifted up and encouraged by Him. So God, oh, I, I do want to pray also. I, I, we do pray for people here, and, and uh, there was a request given. So Father, I do want to pray for Joel and his family. And I think, Lord, of the situation they are in. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would bring peace to their home. I pray you bring pre- reconciliation in relationships. I pray there would be humility and honesty about sin. I pray, Father, that there would be a, uh, from this crisis moment, that there would be a moving forward in the ways of God. Oh, Holy Spirit, we ask you to intervene. We ask that Satan would be bound and have no influence in this situation. Take him out of it. And, and we ask Jesus, you would reign and your ways would be superior and prevail. And we ask it, give them courage. Give Joel and, and his family, give them courage to face the things they need to face and prevail. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. We do like to pray for one another if we can. So Joel's here every day, and so we offer that prayer that was requested in the chat. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow morning, and you have a blessed day. Bye-bye.